This is Hope and Dread. I'm Charlotte Burns. And I'm Alan Schwartzman. In this series, we'll be exploring power in art and how it's bound up with democracy, society, and the wider world. We're going to meet the people who are making change and the people who are resisting change. And we'll ask, who's driving the wagon and who's trying to seize the reins? And do you need to buckle up to ride out this journey? In our earlier podcast series, In Other Words, Charlotte and I plotted the rapid growth of the art market and the explosion of biennials and museums. That explosion was charged by money, technology, and of course, shifts in taste and power. In this series, we'll explore the world that's been created by that massive expansion. What does it mean for artists, museum workers, writers, donors, the market, and the public? We'll ask what we've won and what we've lost, and we'll ask if growth and progress go happily hand in hand, or if they're another couple that split up and had to sell their collection. In each episode, we'll explore a different realm and culture that's undergoing seismic change. We'll talk to dozens of people, from artists to astrologers, museum directors and curators, to philanthropists and futurists, to get a handle on where we are, how we got here, and where we're going. And vitally, if we can move through feelings of dread to hope. I actually feel some hope. I certainly feel hope. I'm hopeful and dreadful. I feel hope. Dread. And dread. I definitely feel hope. Feel I think the dread is necessary. Dread oh, I feel more Oh, I definitely feel more hope. We didn't do this alone. We asked three people to join us as editorial advisors. My name is Dina Hagag, and I am an arts administrator and funder. My name is Mia Lux. I'm an independent curator and culture worker based in Los Angeles. I co-lead Museums Moving Forward, a data-driven initiative focused on accountability in the museum sector. My name is Jay Sanders. I'm a curator and the executive director of Artist Space in New York. These are three of the most exciting thinkers in art of our time, and they've helped us navigate some of the thorny issues we're facing, which extend well beyond the art world. We find ourselves at the beginning of massive epochal shifts and changing certainties. All this compounded and accelerated by this last year and a half of COVID, when the world came to a screeching halt. These are news stories that span governments, human rights, civil rights, history. They are very live, right now. The nation erupted into scenes of chaos. How long can you be peaceful when your people are dying? President stormed the Guggenheim Museum to protest a donor's alleged ties to the opioid crisis. Asking African Americans to drive by property that they own, occupied by reverential statutes of men who fought to destroy the country and deny that person's humanity, seems perverse. So, what are the issues we'll be confronting? Oftentimes, money is the largest marker of how much power someone holds. And I think that in our industry, more problems are made because of money than philanthropy can solve. No one can seem to agree on what museums are for and who they serve. Something on my mind a lot is how value is identified in the art world and then how it comes to operate within the system of the art world. One thing that we are seeing in in the way these episodes are structured is the sort of un unaddressed interplay of different forces in the art world and kind of how respective values, points of view, and desires are misaligned. So I would hope in this series we are sort of getting under the hood of these issues. 
This is exactly the moment to be having these conversations. One of the greatest challenges we face is an awareness gap. For some people, calls for change come as a shock to the system. Others say change is long overdue. Power in art is shifting. We're at a real moment of reckoning. As we've learned from putting this series together, issues surrounding monuments seep into discussions around museums, what they show, what they own, who works for them. That then leads us to who's at the top of those institutions, who funds them and how the market comes into play. Everything is connected. And as you'll hear, trying to make standalone episodes about just one topic is a real challenge, but one that we hope makes for a rich listening experience. Mostly, though, it feels like high time we address these issues. What we're really talking about is power and how it moves through and shapes our culture. When I started the show, my understanding of power was that it all roots at the money flow. And I think so much of the show, for me, has continued to reinforce that. I mean, I think there are people that are just left outside of entire flows of money that don't get to make any decisions. And I think that no matter who we've spoken to on the show, if I trace it far enough, it always just comes back to a very small group of folks who have access to the largest pot of money that controls 99.9% of the institutionalized art world we've come to understand. And my other learning from the show is that there is a lot of interesting activity happening outside of those systems or really incredible people working to try to make legible those systems and build something that's a little bit separate. And that makes me very hopeful. And this itself is a recent shift, this configuration of power. When I started in the contemporary art world, there was no market. All the power was amongst artists and critics. Then the market started to develop into the one we have now, and museums grew. Now we're in a new phase in which we recognize that the public has grown too, and we are also becoming increasingly aware that our systems have not adjusted in response to that broadening of the museum and who it serves. We're going to bring you viewpoints from inside these different systems. We'll talk to museum boards and directors about how they're handling calls for change that are coming internally from staff and externally from a public demanding to see more of itself within the museum. A revealing part of this series will involve talking to trustees, people who have typically held real power, but many of whom now sense a world spinning out of their control. Museums are undergoing a major identity crisis, possibly the biggest identity crisis since their kind of formation. And, you know, we're seeing this play out in the form of protests, you know, from artists and activists, from a series of sort of open calls and sort of letters from staff. We're seeing it in turnover at the top, you know, we're seeing board members, directors, you know, chief curators. Ultimately, a lot of this is really stemming from a culture of fear and a total disillusion of trust. And I'm extraordinarily grateful to all of the individuals, you know, who've donated to museums that, you know, I've personally benefited from a lot of those generous contributions. But I think the thing that people are really afraid to say is that the model as it exists right now isn't serving our missions. So we'll ask the question, if the model isn't working, do we just need new museums? Or can we reform the old ones for new use? Well, this sounds like a controversial question, but actually we're seeing new museum models all over the country and the world. 
What the museum is and who it is for is the greatest cultural battleground of this moment of awakening. It's not only museums, it's public spaces, it's monuments. It is the fight over who controls the cultural narrative of nations. We'll speak to artists and curators grappling with how to repurpose monuments that celebrate the lives of people who would have denied their humanity. We'll hear from politicians about what happens when governments stipulate what culture should be. And we'll even hear from one former Secretary of State who's changed his mind on a controversial topic. I think the debate has really moved on. I think I would support the return of the Elgin Marbles now, and I think I was probably wrong. Wait, did I hear that correctly? Was that a career politician saying he was wrong about one of the major issues in politics in the UK today? Well, as we'll discover in this show, one of the areas of hope is the human capacity for change. We occasionally found a real chasm between perception and reality, often our own, we'll be honest about that. A case in point, I thought Portland and Oregon were all about hipster coffee shops, knitted hats and yoga mats, but I was ignorant about the fact that it was the only state to join the union that stipulated whites only, something that shapes not only the art and cultural scene there today, but moreover, the lives of people who are dealing with these legacies. Portland, Oregon has compared the scene in his city overnight to urban warfare. Portland has some reckoning to do with its history and how we move forward together. The smoke in the air is nearly suffocating. And the most polluted cities in the world are now on the west coast of our country. Portland, number one on that startling list. In Mexico, the air is polluted as this historic wildfire season rages on. This series is less about blame and punishment than about the systems we inherited from our ancestors and how we grapple with that now. But for a lot of people, change feels personal. I think people are afraid to say that their feelings are hurt. And I don't want to sound so soft about that, but I feel like there are too many people in a position of power who try to find structural justifications for the critique against them rather than just for one second be able to admit safely that their feelings are just hurt. What we've found while making this series and what we hope you'll discover from listening is that so much of this flows from history and who's written it, our collective stories. These aren't dusty conversations, they're loud arguments about what it is that we value today. Does the art world and its market truly recognize and reward bold thinking and fresh ideas? Or to what extent have the sharp edges of true creativity been smoothed over by money? Another word I was thinking about was reward and how contemporary art expresses and even markets so much formal and intellectual radicality, but the reward system really does so strongly reinforce this given set of power relations. We'll talk to artists about how they deal with this. Many artists are using their own platforms to create what they see as much needed changes. Today, some artists have more control than ever before. We'll go into why and we'll ask them, what they're doing with that power. It's impossible to talk about contemporary art and artists without talking about the market, which has become the dominant force in art today. The bigger the stakes, the more conservative the market becomes. And we'll ask about what impact that's having and how it's shaping the art we see, the culture we value, and the importance of art, whether it continues to be central to our culture or if it drifts off into its own market. What are people afraid to talk about? Well, a lot. We'll go into that, but we're not going to dwell on the dread. This show is about dealing with that discomfort and celebrating some solutions. 
I think everything that's been happening over the past year has made me feel more hopeful that people perhaps do want to live in the same world and don't know how to arrive there. So please join us as we begin that journey. One that like every quest could be summed up as being about hope and dread. Our second episode, American History Axed, is available now. Tune in again next Wednesday for our episode on controlling culture. And meanwhile, follow us on social media at art and underscore media or hashtag hope and dread and tell us what you think. <laughs>